Welcome to a special grooving episode, one that we are super excited about. I'm Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. And I'm Christian Hunt. So as you can see, we've added another voice to this very special episode of Behavioral Grooves. Or maybe I've added in two extra voices to this very special episode of the Human Risk Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, Christian. Touche. This is a very special episode for both podcasts. And if you're not listening to both, you should. What's happening here is a special episode experience for a couple of reasons. The first is what we just talked about. It's a co-production of behavioral grooves and human risk. But more importantly, at least for you, Mr. Houlihan, is that we are recording this in London. (laughs) Not just London, Kurt, but in the world-famous Abbey Road Studios. Here we are, yes. And I'm in my own musical heaven right now. And I won't lie to you, I've had the good fortune of recording in some great studios in the world, but i got to tell you, this one takes the cake. I'm sure it does. But with that, we should probably get going and we should introduce our actual, we have a guest, another guest on this uh, occasion. Mr. Kuhn Smets, who we are so glad to have, who has come all the way from Limington Spa, all the way to London to to join us today. This is fantastic. And so for all our American listeners, they have no clue what that means. It's like Oh, okay. (laughs) Wyzetta to Minneapolis for our Minneapolis people. All right. So what are we going to talk about, guys? We should be talking about one of our most interesting and most prevalent issues in the world today, as well as in the world of behavioral science, and that is cheating. Cheating? Yes. I, I, I think that this is totally appropriate for us as uh, all people in the behavioral science world and who have kind of taken a look at this to expand on, uh, to explore why is cheating so prevalent today? And we, uh, for listeners, we, we started this because there was a, there's a pretty massive cheating scandal that is going on, taking place in the world of chess these days. Hans Neiman, a 19-year-old American, has been accused of cheating in many grandmaster events. And the world reigning champ, uh, Magnus Carlsen, actually even uh, dropped out of a game with him after one move because he was kind of protesting of this cheating. And there's a whole bunch of elements going on behind that. So that was kind of the first thing that got got. It caught my eye. It wasn't the how he was cheating that, that well, got your Well, we attention? can get to that at a later point. We'll talk about the potential, the, the, the memes that are going around about how he was cheating. Okay, what about walleye fishing? It, it, we, I mean, we come from Minnesota. I don't live there anymore. But in, in, the, in the state of Minnesota, northern states in the United States, walleye is a sweet, tender, wonderful fish. It's, it's very popular. There are fishing tournaments all throughout the Great Lakes and uh, region around fishing for walleye. And there is a cheating scandal uh, happening right now among people who are who have been pushing weights into the fish so that they weigh more so they can win the tournaments. Winning actually pretty significant prizes. Right. Uh, right. Over the course of the past year, the pair that they actually have caught cheating. So some of these others were, have just been accused of cheating. These people were actually caught where the fish were being weighed. And then they took the fish and they gutted the fish. And in the fish's gut were actual lead weights along with stuffed in other things into this. But they've won, I think, a couple hundred thousand dollars over the course of the last year. And have kind of been, they've won every tournament out of, you know, the eight that they've entered, the last eight. So um, they kind of had that going. And then the last one is there's also a cheating uh, scandal in the world of of high-stakes poker. 
um, where uh, Garrett Adelstein, I didn't, hopefully I pronounced that, that word right, accused Robbie Jade Liu, who is a newer player. She kind of came into this and they were playing Texas Hold'em. And huge bet, $167,000 bet that was going on that even when the announcers, because if you ever watch Texas Hold'em on the uh, television, there you get two cards down and then all the other cards come up. And so everybody that views gets to see everybody's cards. And what they were looking at is they were saying, oh, my gosh, why is she going all in on this hand? This is just idiotic and very, you know, that the the reason that nobody in their right mind who knew anything about poker would go in uh, on this hand. So that case is, again, it's an alleged piece that she was somehow getting information fed to her from somebody else and thus she knew what the other hand was and knew that she had a reasonable well there's also issues right here in the world of behavioral science right right i mean it it, so there's been recent studies that have been reviewed again looking at things like the honesty declaration where for for listeners that are not familiar with this there was a a theory that if you if you signed at the top of a, a document you're more likely to be honest Uh, And we think about that in the context of if you're in court, you're asked to swear on the Bible before you say anything rather than than afterwards. And so that was a landmark study in 2012, I think. Um, And that's now been reviewed again uh, and is subject to some questions as to the the accuracy of that. And so I think it's fascinating that it's not just in the world of sort of competitions. It's also in the world of scientific research. Yeah. And that paper has actually been retracted by all the authors now. So, yeah. yeah. Kuhn, I think there was another one, actually, that, that, that we talked about as well in the world of cycling. Yes. I, I mean, there's cheating all over the place. Uh, this <laughs> happened. Uh, I think uh, my sense of timing is a bit uh, uh, wonky uh, since the pandemic. But uh, it's it's fairly recent, probably a year or two ago, when in, uh, in sort of a high-ranking amateur um, cross-country cycling, one of the cycles, one of the competition cycles was found to contain... Uh, Wait for it. A battery and an electric motor. An electric motor in in competition, oh and basically, yeah, it, it, it's baffling that something like this can happen. But I think it um, it it illustrates how a desire for a particular outcome can cloud people's judgment or influence people's judgment um, as to what is and is not uh, acceptable. And I think maybe this not being impartial about the outcome of something is is a key influence in cheating. Yeah, is this a um, conflict of interest kind of thing or um, is it in just pure intention? Well, I think the conflict of interest is uh, a consequence rather than, than the, oh, uh, the source, I think. But obviously, if you are competing, you want to win. That's, what, that's your desired outcome. And you can achieve that by being the best at whatever it is uh, and competing in, in, in a fair way. Or there are alternative ways of getting to the end, like sort of stuffing weights into a fish or equipping your cycle with an electric motor and, and, yeah. and, and put batteries in there. And I think you can also do the same thing in scientific research, where instead of saying, I'm totally impartial, I'm investigating this, I don't care what the outcome is, we'll just look at the facts, and whatever the outcome is, that'll be it. Or you may have motives for a particular hypothesis to be uh, verified and confirmed or uh, to or be the opposite. Uh, to, yeah, or right. the opposite, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as there is some of that, there is there is a little bit in you that says, mm, I'd really like it to go that way rather than that way. Then the risk of cheating begins to pop up, I think. I think it's 
fascinating too because what you're just talking about is a, a contextual component, right? It is a element of a. There's an opportunity that presents itself because of the situation with some predetermined. I I want this outcome, and I'm in the situation. And we often think about cheating,、uh, lying, cheating, similar kind of things as more personality based. That you are a cheater. That you are somebody who cheats or somebody who lies, and what I'm hearing, Kuhn, you say, and I'd love to hear what、uh, you know, Tim and Christian, you, your thoughts on this as well, is is this some、uh, is it personality based? Are people cheaters and liars, and thus, given the situation, they will do that, while others would not do that, or is this purely just because of the situation? I, th- I think we've got to be honest, right? I think we're all capable of it, and let's go even <laughs>、yeah. further than that. I-, I suspect we have all, on some level, cheated、oh. to get an outcome that we're looking for. Now, you, you would be the one exception, Kurt, but for the rest of us, I think we, we clearly have to admit that there are times when, and it may not be a serious thing, but there will be times where we have done things to get ourselves further up in a line or to get an outcome that we're looking for that that we know we've kind of bent things and we can justify that. And I think the moment we get into the realms of that's something those people do, it's really dangerous. I think I would agree. And, and I was just going to say, and I not only that, I never cheated, I never lie about cheating either. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know who I'm talking to now. <laughs> I don't even know you. <laughs> but but I, th- I think you're right, Christian. I think we all have it in us. And I think with the Enron scandal、um, yeah. 15 years ago, the theory of it's a few bad apples was thoroughly debunked. It is yeah, not a, a、yeah. few bad apples. And so I think I don't think it's. A, it, I mean, there may be pathological liars, and I think they do exist. But I think we all have it in us. When when I was probably about six or seven,、um, I, I was supposed to go to the doctor's with my mum, and she forgot the appointment. Yeah, and so she rang up to say, "Oh, my son is ill, and so we couldn't come." And I wasn't ill, so、oh, that's how I、wow. discovered the concept of the white lie, and. I think it it was probably defining my, my ethical framework in, in, a, in a way which is which is sort of stretches farther than I would have imagined at the time. I mean, it didn't make me a compulsive white liar, but it taught me that the, it, lying and honesty is not black and white.、Yeah. There is a spectrum, and so whether or not this was justifiable at the time. Can be debated, and I think some people might think, "Well, that was fair enough."、Yeah. And others might think, "This is terrible, a terrible educational intervention." There,、yeah. um, I, have, I have two things on that. Sorry、mm-hmm. to interrupt. So, so one, your mother talking to a doctor, very similar to my mother talking to、um, my school when I was a senior in high school. I skipped the last class. We came back. Me and my friends came back. We were playing down in my basement. Everything, and the next day. Um, the school called up to my mom, and、uh, she said, "No, he didn't have an excuse. I had made up something like I was going to the doctor." And the school said, "Oh, so I got I got detention, where my two friends, their mothers, both lied for them,、oh. and said, 'No, they're fine.' So I got detention, where my two friends did not. And so again, you talked about、yeah. how that framed your thing, and I've、yeah. used that as a this piece of like." 
you know, yeah, I, I do something wrong, I'll, I'll pay. Not that I haven't ever cheated or lied. And they've and both gone that. into politics, right? Is that what's happened? Yeah. <laughs> but, but I wanted to go back to the, the bad apples thing, because, Tim, you have some thoughts on this just about that it's not usually bad apples, but bad apples can ruin the barrel. Yeah, the, it, this goes back to the Bobo effect. Uh, the Bobo doll was a was a uh, basically a, a small punching bag uh, with sand in the bottom, uh, made for uh, young children, uh, five, six, seven, eight years old, uh, in the United States in the 1960s and 70s. And and so a, a researcher brought uh, a Bobo doll into a, a group of kids playing. They're five, six, seven, eight, um, and they're they're all just playing with a bunch of different toys. But then a Confederate comes into the room and beats the daylights out of the bobo doll really punching it hard and after and then and then leaves and then the the researchers watch what happens and what happened most of the time was that kids started to be more aggressive with the bobo doll they they felt like it was okay to and especially young you know little boys it was like it was okay to be super aggressive now with the with the bobo doll and and i relate this to our you know i'm going to just say that this is our, our the political news in the United States starting in 2015-2016 with Donald Trump. He made it okay for everybody else to be, you know, um, to, to say whatever was on their mind. You know, there were a number of conservatives who said to me that they were so happy that Donald Trump was in office because because he said what was on their mind. And I feel like this is sort of a Bobo doll effect uh, to some degree. So, I, and I don't just, I, I agree with your Kuhn, with with your comments that there is intention, that we need to think about intentionality and purpose and, and outcome. But I think there's also the sense of permission that can come from from just if we see other people doing it, that can create a more hostile environment. Yeah. I mean, I think social norms is is, uh, is key in many behaviors and in, including right. in that. But it only is that way because we have that capacity to cheat or to sort of make different trade-offs, ethical trade-offs depending on the circumstances and we look at because I think when do we look for social norms when we're not certain we we don't have an innate certainty I mean we're not uh, like Mother Teresa or somebody who says I've never cheated (laughs) Um, so we 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 look for guidance around us and clearly not every individual in our field of view is equally weighty and so the president is is somebody who's got more influence and so well if the president does it then it's probably fine it's it fits and so we will not necessarily be as egregious as he was with we don't have to be we we move a little bit towards the ah well that's kind of acceptable in this circumstances but, but does it also going back to the cheating part and i will go back to maybe bike racing or the Olympics mm-hmm. where uh, they did some of the uh, hormone replacement mm-hmm. and other, you know, additives that are going on there. And you hear the story that says, well, everybody's doing it. And so for me to compete, mm-hmm. I now have, I to, have do to do the do same it, yeah. thing. So th- there's a part where that's it's becomes acceptable, the social norm part, but there's also then this, I'm at a disadvantage if I'm not doing these things because I believe everybody else's. And I will go back to the United States. What worries me is that there is a belief upon uh, many people within the United States that cheating had occurs, has occurred in the presidential and the other elections. elections. Yeah. So now, because there's a belief that it has occurred, 
from one side that the other side is actually going to say, well, if they're cheating, we need to cheat. And so they will figure out some way to cheat, even though there's been no evidence of cheating in any instance. It's the perception of cheating and thus it's unfair and I must be level the playing field. Right. And it, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we sort of think about social proof as sort of copying other people sometimes subconsciously. Uh, but what you're talking about there is a conscious thing where we just go, well, I wouldn't normally do that. But I can see that they're playing, the, the, the rules of the game have changed, right? And I'm now going to have to do what they, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to have to do that in order. And then and then it's used, as you say, as a weapon to, to, to justify more. So it, it's, in a way, it's kind of just scaling up and becoming even more challenging. Well, and what you just said, I think actually is a really interesting piece because Christian, this idea that I wouldn't normally do this. But you're forcing me, so I'm still a good person. My, my, my self-identity is not challenged in that way. Whereas if I was just doing it, I have to somehow create a story to say, I'm still a good person. Well, we, we, we have an innate belief. I think everybody in the world, with some exceptions again, believes they are a good person. Yeah. So we, we just rationalize whatever we do so that what we do is, is, fits with our self-image um and so that we're happy so we get up in the morning and we feel good yeah. about ourselves yeah. yeah we don't want to wake up and think we are evil uh, or or dishonest so i mean yeah i mean of these irregular verbs um i'm i'm uh, i'm, so I'm, I'm yeah i'm you know? uh, economical with the truth um uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are you are kind of bending the truth a little bit and he's a liar yeah, um, right. So, so we we get this, and sort of closer to home, the more righteous we we see ourselves, uh, and and people close to us. I mean, okay, they're they're a little bit further away, but still close enough. And then these these are the bloody cheaters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am concerned about the social side of this, though. Uh, the the because there's a little bit of a game theory uh, thing going on here, where where the more that we see uh, certain people defecting, then it gives us good reason to defect as well. Uh, e- even if that's not mm. normally our our mode, uh, but when we see that enough, then we're prone to to defect from the truth uh, 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 more easily, and um, and that's concerning. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure what the remedy is. I, I wish I had some kind of an antidote, but maybe Kuhn. Yeah, does. No, I mean, I think I think there there is probably another um, important behavioral uh, driver behind it, and that's the the need to belong. Ah. And yeah. as you were saying, Kurt, you're you're in some kind of sports and you want to be at the top and you see everybody, everybody else cheating. So you want to be part of that community of top sporters. But the only way you can be part of it is by taking part in this uh, illicit... In the uh, cheating itself. Yeah, in the cheating. And I, I mean, you can see it in other circumstances as well. Imagine you, you join a new company. And you're kind of well. I'm, I'm, I'm not taking any any stuff home or whatever. But you see other people doing it, and and they look at you. Oh well, are you the, the friend of the boss? I mean, you're not uh, taking part in sort of I know um, <laughs> cheating with your expenses or stuff like this. And you're you're drawn in because you want to belong. You want you don't want to be an outsider. Right. And this this I think like the, the 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 desire for a certain outcome in scientific research is a driver to, well, what can I do to make that happen? Belonging can also be a driver that messes with our ethics, I think. <laughs> so we're, we're just, it, behavior is really easy to understand is what I'm hearing. This is a very <laughs> black and white thing, this and that, that there's not multitude of, of components. That, <laughs> yeah. but, 
in all seriousness, the the fact of the matter that there are all of these different influences that are acting both as a preventer of cheating, but also as a facilitator of cheating. And, you know, for not to say that cheating is a new thing. Cheating has been around since, you know, the beginning of time, lying, various different pieces of that. And maybe it's just becoming more apparent now. But to this point, we, we're seeing these things. They're coming to light more often. And so I'm wondering if those balances that we had, where there was always a certain amount of cheating going on. I mean, you go back to Lance Armstrong. You go back to Barry Bond. You go back to you know all sorts of different pieces throughout history. Shoeless Joe Jackson in the, in in the, the early 20s, uh, the World Series. He, yeah. You know, threw it because of a, of a financial gain to him personally. So, but this idea idea that those checks and balances that are there are somehow getting out of kitty wampus right is a little bit disconcerting for I, me. I, i'm i'm with you there because uh, again this if 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 it becomes more socially acceptable to to just fudge a little bit to just push the boundaries a bit uh, not to say that this is just a slippery slope i i think that it's a real the, if we literally erode our moral foundations as to what we believe is right or what we want to try to strive for or try to adhere to, uh, that's a bad thing for cultures because because cultures and civilizations operate on a, a, a fabrication of what we believe is is common, that we believe that people will behave in a particular way in this particular culture. And if that breaks down in, in such a massive way, this is the end of Western civilization. You think it gentlemen. adds risk to? But, but it's, the, but it's interesting, right? Because I won't talk about U.S. politics. I'll talk about U.K. politics. Given we're here in Abbey Road, let's let's focus. On, you know, we had Boris Johnson, Prime Minister here, who effectively was thrown out of office for, frankly, lying and and, and covering stuff up. And, yeah. and what's really interesting is there are certain rules of the game in politics. Everybody knows that you know it takes a certain type to go into politics and certain expectations. But you know, for example, there is an unwritten uh, expectation that people won't lie. And that they won't lie in Parliament. And that, that therefore we just work on the right. basis that whatever else they might do, they're not going to. And he broke that convention. And so the structures that are put in place rely on, to a certain extent, people behaving in a particular way. And, and, and that's been. Now, you could, the, the, the positive spin on this is actually the system has still worked, right? He's no longer in office and he was found out and dealt with. But. It wasn't Clearly, an easy road either. No, though. no, no. It wasn't. It, it, I mean, it happened because it required some people to stand up and do things and behave in a, in a way that. There's, and 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 you can argue, well, why did they do that? Did they do it for the right reasons, or because they, they worried about their own personal future? But it was interesting that, that some of the con- and, and conventions. You know, a lot of the things that we do are written are, are driven by conventions, and so you were having people, I think, testing those conventions. And I, I, I want to give listeners a little bit of a movie tip if they haven't seen it, which is a, a movie called The Invention of Lying which stars Ricky Gervais. And it's basically about a world where no one lies. And magically you have this one guy who discovers that, hey, you can lie. And you can see the... So really fascinating from a behavioural perspective. But I think it's it's interesting that we all recognise we, you know, that, that we shouldn't be cheating and we shouldn't be lying and we shouldn't be doing all these things. And we build structures, I think, to to perpetuate that. And that's some of the checks and balances that we have to stop it. And then you get people... To, and so the question I think you're asking, Kurt, is, is this a new thing? that suddenly people are subverting these models that we've had for some time that seem to have sort of worked? Is it, or is it maybe that there's greater transparency on it nowadays? And actually, this has been happening over and over again, and maybe these things are okay, and we, we, we're just at, at a certain point. I don't know. So I will go one step farther and talk about potential uh, elements on this that really worry me. 
uh, with the advent of AI and you know some of the deep fakes that are going on out there, you have the potential of a creating something that is fake and putting words in your mouth. So therefore, Christian, I make I make you yeah, I'm making you sound, or I make you say something outlandish that you know now goes and gets all this popularity. And we know that you do that, and then even if it's proven that it's a deep fake afterwards, the damage is done. We it's still been have out that, there. It's because it's, it's there. We know mind. it's anchored in there. Even more concerning to me, however, is what would happen if, so again, we take a look at our uh, former president, President Trump, and he was recorded be, right before the 2016 elections. A recording came out that was kind of famous of him grabbing women and doing various different things that, because it was a voice thing, and then finally got a little bit of video at the end. And he never denied that he no, said didn't. that, right? That was always in that realm that he was out there. But I would make the assumption, or there's a conjecture that could happen, that if that were to come out today, he would just, that's a fake. That's a fake. And the people that want to believe that will now have adjusted. They they can't just go, oh, he said that. I have to justify that action some way. Now his his followers can go, that was a fake. You guys, every it's the Democrats who are trying to do that because that's what they're always trying to do and getting worse. I'm... I'm probably less worried than you are about uh, those kind of things. Give us some hope, Kuhn. Yeah, well, I mean, Photoshop, before uh, fake videos, deep fake videos, was equally capable of fabricating images that were untrue of people meeting each other and stuff. It's never been a big problem, uh, I think. And I don't expect the moving images to be more of a problem. Um, I think... The claims that things that are true are fake have always existed uh, because people are motivated to not reveal certain things and therefore deny that what, whatever happened. And if evidence is brought to bear, then it's falsified. And ultimately, whether or not it is falsified doesn't matter to either party. The, 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 the people who are with the person being accused will believe that it's falsified and continue to yeah. um, support whoever it is. And the people who believe it is true will continue to believe it is true. Yeah. So I, I don't really see that as too much of a, of a threat. But um, is that okay? It, well, it's not okay. And I think on, on where we were a bit earlier, I think... Going back to maybe my mother's white lie to this doctor, we are much more lenient for dishonesty if it's in our favor than if it's not. Absolutely. Not, not necessarily if it's against us, but if it's, if it's um, neutral, then no, don't lie. But if it's good for me, then, well, we are kind of accepting of bending the truth a little or bit. Or even better, if I didn't say it. If if Kurt lied for me, yes. Then well, I, I didn't, which I do all yeah. the time, yeah. talking about <laughs> how smart <laughs> you are and yeah. all these things. Yeah. But, right, but we, are, we are quite capable to. I mean, stuff like I I don't remember saying that, um, which may or may not be true. But yeah. it's um, impossible to prove that I don't remember it. I may very well remember that I said something, but uh, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. That, I mean, this plausible deniability is is a fantastic yeah. instrument mm -hmm. in uh, in dishonesty. Yeah. Um, but what I think might be behind the 
apparent um, increase in that kind of cheating and dishonesty is that we we are more polarized. And so you have whole groups of people who think this is in our interest, so this is what we will believe and consider to be true and profess as um, the reality. So that neutral component is getting smaller and yes. smaller and smaller. Yes, exactly. So, and and it, it really is, you're either with me or against me. Uh, if yeah. you're with me, yeah. then you will believe what I say. If I deny this, then it is untrue. If I say this is true, then it will be true and, and vice versa. And so this this middle ground of, well, hold on, this is not that important to me. So I think the rule of, let's be honest and fair, um, dominates here. And I think the sort of self-interest, not the personal self-interest, but the group self-interest begins to weigh too heavily, I think, in, in our judgments. So how does that play into the world of behavioral science that we are dealing with? This idea that... Um, there have been accusations of data falsification uh, and, you know, outright known some some places where this has obviously been faked, uh, different pieces of that. Because I would hope that within the community that, you know, if you're following the scientific principle, you're following it from the perspective of saying, we will go where the mm-hmm. data shows yeah and we know that's not always the case why why wouldn't you flip the presumption of saying look if it happens everywhere else why are we surprised that it's happening in in this space Mm -hmm. and i think one of the challenges with this whole subject is that we live under this belief that it shouldn't be happening therefore it isn't you know i'd love it for it not to be happening of course i don't lie so therefore that's the you know and 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 you continue and so a, a little bit of me thinks actually maybe we should just take from the premise that it's part of life right it's there are going to be incentives for certain people in certain situations to do things that are, are unacceptable. Let's not necessarily call it lying, but sort of fudging of things or being slightly disingenuous about how things are presented. That's a natural function of human beings being involved in an activity. And so maybe to a certain extent, we shouldn't be shocked by it. And we should just say, look, that is going to happen. We have to recognize this discipline is, in other words, this discipline is not immune to that dynamic. Is it Okay. I, I, I guess, in other words, uh, I, I'm I'm not asking if it's morally okay. Is it acceptable? Is it something that um, that we want to treat more aggressively? So that you know, um, I've been reading all about game theory now, so recently. So forgive me, but but you know, if there if there's a severe enough punishment for the transgressor, then that acts that that can act as a warning to future transgressors. Uh, is is that is there a punitive way of dealing with this, or or do we some just let it go? Mm. I, the I silence in yeah, the room. Yeah, yeah. Well, is. Kind of a I think, pause there. I think it's it's probably the hardest question. Um, I mean, I think I think you you said Kurt, it's been cheating has been with us for centuries and oh, yeah, thousands of years. Yeah. So if our ancestors haven't come up with a mechanism of killing it off. Um, it's, that, it, that's interesting. It, there, there's almost a DNA genetic effect yes, to this. Yeah. that It's built into our system. And, right? and I think ultimately it, you can trace it back to self-interest. I mean, without self-interest, we wouldn't be here. Um, so, yeah, yeah. and then morality, I mean, that's a big question. How did that emerge and how, how is it, has it begun? Because I think we can probably be fairly certain that in the animal 
world, morality is doesn't exist. There is no such thing as morality there. Right. Um, There's so, no right and no, wrong. No, so that's right. Yeah. So we we in, we in, invented it. I also don't think that formal punishment is is really that important. I mean, just look at sort of career criminals. They get punished all the time and get jailed, and they come out of jail, and within three weeks they commit crimes again. So it. The, so, some but, people but, but are. That, some that's, people are this. That, yeah. That's a corporal punishment. What about a social punishment? Ah, exactly, and I think I think the social um, social punishment I think could be could could go much further and ostracizing people who uh, or, or temporarily or whatever. Basically, and I think maybe for that we need to get a better understanding of what their motives are. Yeah. For instance, if you cheat for status, if you then take away the status. Yeah. Then that right. is that is going to that's going to hurt. Be, yeah, yeah, that's going to hurt. But it's also going to be a, a, a signal to other people who pursue status and are willing to compromise uh, so, ethics. Well, so that. that worked with Napoleon in, in in you know the early 1800s. You could put him on an island, and we didn't have to worry about him. But in the world of social media and email and video and uh, you know dozens of heralds for virtually anyone's perspective mm-hmm. uh, c- can can continue to take up the, the banner and and, uh, and and sell the story of whatever that they want. You, I, I, I'm concerned that removing one person isn't an, isn't enough. It might be something. So, but I think this is is if you so the criminal piece, right? It's almost a badge of honor that I've been in prison, that there's a there's an element that I get elevated yep. within my community, within my group. Could be, yeah. This idea of finding out what is going to ostracize that person um, that does this from that group that they are looking to be a part or that they are a part of, I think that I would be very hard pressed to say all right if i believe that if i get if i do this and i get caught there's a whole thing of if i believe i'm going to get caught or not but we'll take that out of the the equation that this is the social cost that i will have to pay and if that social cost is large enough i think that will inhibit even you know copycats yeah yeah and i think it probably worked quite well with our ancestors um uh, 15 million years ago i for a piece I was writing, I just did a bit of research, and it seems that about 50 million years ago, we we formed tribes. Before that, we were solitary, nocturnal creatures, yeah. our, our primate ancestors. And then 50 million years ago, we started uh, living more during the day. We were more vulnerable to predators. And so safety in numbers, we bunched together and so could protect ourselves. But that meant we needed to be able to trust each other, not to steal each other's food and stuff. And right, so right. so I think in in smallish tribe-sized communities, um, ostracization or the threat of it was very, very serious yeah. because you couldn't really survive on your own anymore. Um, I think part of that might have been woven into our DNA now. Yes, I think so. But I think, obviously, we work on such a large scale now that this idea of tribe is hard to map onto our present-day society, I think. And so there's there's many more places to hide. 
But well, what's interesting, I mean, you, you talk about sort of getting status with certain guys. You know, that's a different tribe, right? So I leave the tribe right. of the mainstream and I become yep. the tribe of the punished people. So yep. we've, been, we've all been in jail. That's a separate, yes. I mean, quite literally, mm-hmm. in many cases, gang that you're then a part of. So it's exactly the same dynamic. But I, I love this idea of using it as a, as a powerful force because I think it's, it doesn't all of our judicial systems work on logic mm-hmm. right so the longer the prison sentence the yes. more i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna get you to do and 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 we know that it, loads of other times where we try and apply logic to situations it doesn't work so i really like <laughs> right. the idea of bringing in some of these other behavioral drivers that mm-hmm. we recognize and know in other contexts i think social is a massive thing we just have to be really careful yeah. and of course we know it's not simply a case of saying oh well we'll just we'll ostracize you because that doesn't work <laughs> in the context we've got to think intelligently about how we deploy it but i love that line of thinking because i think that's yeah. much more creative than let's lock a bunch of people up because that'll that'll tell them well yeah. i mean we assume that they value their freedom so much that they will refrain from committing crimes in order not to get locked up and that is well and, and, and some, the, some do so, some, some do, do yeah. but i think uh, the, the other piece of this is that again we have self uh belief about ourselves that ah I know that many people get caught doing this, but I'm going to be so smart about it that I won't be caught. And therefore, my, you know, probability of having anything happen is so low that I will go ahead and do this because I don't feel that's a whole separate issue. And I think we could probably go on and on and on and on about this. But I think probably let's wrap it up wrap it up here yeah look I, I've no doubt we could keep going on the subject but we then have to book out another studio at Abbey Road <laughs> count me in just I'm just I'm there just I don't care what we're doing <laughs> if we're going to be back at Abbey Road that'd be fantastic amazing well look uh, to all the, the, the regular listeners of Human Risk Podcast thank you so much for tuning in do check out Behavioural Grooves yeah and thanks for all the Behavioural Groove listeners who are listening in and we hope that you check out the wonderful and varied topics that Christian talks about with his guests on human risk. Yeah, and of course, we hope that you find this conversation as helpful as any of our conversations collectively and that this helps you go out and find your groove. Mm-hmm.